the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 88 of the Video Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. We have anime talent slash audiobook narrator Michelle Lee coming up later today. But before that... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. Okay, so I've got quite a bit going on, but uh, why don't you start, Sean? Tell us what's going on in your VO world. Okay, well, still kind of uh, moving into the new place in Bellingham, Washington. It's about an hour south of uh, Vancouver, B.C., if you remember. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, although things have definitely started slowing down as the weather has gotten colder and wetter. But um, I'm really happy because I finally got my studio rooms about 80% done right now. I've got uh, my old blanket booth in here, but... It actually, since I have so much more treatment on the walls, I was able to put less treatment in the booth. So I actually have like twice the usable space. I'm really happy about that. And um, I haven't gotten any complaints either from this booth or my tri-booth travel setup. So feeling really confident in my audio these days. <laughs> That's always but a plus. Yeah, definitely. It definitely helps. So I've been doing auditions in some e-learning projects, just got a new client through Bodalgo, and we're kind of negotiating uh, a short video series for like some corporate narrations. Other than that, just my, my usual work with GVAA. Um, and also, both uh, David Toback and I are donating our time for the Ultimate VO Survivor competition that uh, Deb Monroe and Ellie Ray Hennessy are doing. So if you're interested in that, you can make a little video VO audition uh, that they're doing. There's cash prizes, there's demos, and even a Studio Bricks booth that's up for grabs. And some a couple hours of training with some guy named Sean Daly. So <laughs> if you're interested in any of those and you just want something to kind of stretch your comfort zone, I recommend it. So... Um, that's pretty much that's all going on with my VO world. What about yours? Well, first of all, I'd like to mention again that we have our promotion with Voice123 still ongoing. So if you have never been a member before and want to join up with Voice123, you can actually save 15% by being a VO Meter listener. All you have to do is go to our website, www.vometer.com, click on the sponsors page, and then there's a logo with Voice123 and a big caption that says, click here to save 15%. You can't miss it. Click on that, enter in your information, and you will save quite a bit of money on any membership level, all the way from the, the lowest tier all the way to the highest. So hopefully you can take advantage of that. I was talking to a friend of the show, Terry Daniel, earlier this morning, and he actually just signed up using our code. So thank you, That's Terry. Awesome. We appreciate that. And hopefully Terry will be able to reap some rewards from his membership. Well, that's so cool. I mean, both of us have coached with Terry in the past. It's kind of like giving back in full circle. I love it. Yeah, awesome. And thanks again to V123 for being a sponsor. So on the work front, I'm producing a couple of audiobooks. 
one of which I'm pretty excited about. Well, I'm excited about everything, I, all the clients I work with, but this one, you'll, you'll know why in a second, is because it's about baseball. So we are currently producing the book for the Savannah Bananas owner and founder, Jesse Cole. The book is called Fans First, Change the Game, Break the Rules, and Create an Unforgettable Experience. Now, if you don't know about the Savannah Bananas, they are a really interesting entertainment venture, I should say. Because they are a baseball team, they play in Savannah, Georgia, as an independent minor league baseball team. But they're all about changing the game and making it more accessible and fun for the fans. So they have all these crazy things they do during the game, like intermissions where they have dance contests right in the middle of the game. Or they have a cheerleading squad that's all men called the Man Nanas. And they're actually all, <laughs> all senior citizens, I think. They call them older, older gentlemen. And they will dance on the dugout in these crazy bright yellow outfits. One has a beard that's carved into the shape of a banana. So because of the bananas, everything is banana-themed. They have two mascots. <laughs> One is called Split, so it's a giant banana in a costume. Then they have a female version called Princess Potassia. And both of these banana-themed mascots roam the stadium and greet fans as they come in. They have um, people dressed as penguins that welcome you in the parking lot. So right when you pull up in the parking lot, you're welcomed by the show. And they're really more of a circus. Uh, in the book, without spoiling too much, Jesse quotes P.T. Barnum quite a bit, and I can tell why, because I, I feel like he's modeled a lot of his stuff. Big influence. At, yeah, like. he's a big influence on, on what they've done. And then they have actually changed the rules of the game. So they have to get the agreement from the other team they're playing with to do this. But in some games, they play what's called banana ball where the entire rules of baseball itself changes. So, for instance, what? if you're a batter, you can steal first base at any time. So normally, there's no running from home to first, but unless there's a drop third strike. I'm getting really geeky for my baseball fans here. But in banana ball, if there's a pitch that gets far outside or hits the dirt, you can just take off and get to first base, and if you make it, you're safe on any pitch. That's a crazy rule. Then there's another one where if a fan catches the ball in... In the, in the stands, it's an out for the bananas. <laughs> what? So basically they encourage the fans to participate and actively be involved in the game. So these rules are just crazy, but really beneficial to fans, especially those of the younger generation maybe that find baseball kind of hard to sit through an entire two-and-a-half to three-hour game. Now, if you know anything about baseball, you know that Major League Baseball itself is actually doing things to change the rules because they know this is the case, that a lot of fans have been turned away by how long the games are and how boring they are. So even next year, there's significant changes in MLB that are supposed to make the game shorter and, and easier to watch. But well, Jesse Cole and, and the Bananas have taken it to a whole new level, and I'm just over the moon that we were able to, to, to work with this client, and I can't wait for to finish the recording. Well, that's so cool. I mean, it's like... I enjoy, like, I'm not a sports ball fan by any means, but it's like I enjoy going with my girlfriend and my dad and her dad, and usually it's uh, enjoying an adult beverage or two, you mm -hmm. know. But it's, like you said, the game itself is not that interactive from the fan perspective, aside from a few chants and the wave and stuff like that. So I love this idea of kind of, of getting people more involved and, and more active throughout the game. Yeah, so if you're interested at all, look up... Any Google search will find a lot on Jesse Cole himself, the owner. Um, he runs around the entire day of the game in a yellow tux. And actually, his first book was called Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be, a success How to Be Successful by Standing Out. So if you know anything about the, the yellow tux guy, this is, this is Jesse. 
Google him. There's a ESPN 30 for 30 special on him, which is which is fantastic. And lots of videos out there about the Savannah Bananas themselves. And you can see some of their crazy antics, which I'm a big fan of. So that's one thing I'm working on. Uh, I've done a bunch of e-learning recently, a bunch of live sessions, and those have been cool. And more live announcing. So one thing I want to talk about is I think I've finally found my limit on the amount of events I can do in one week. This week <laughs> I've, been, I've done four different events, and I have another one tomorrow. I did a college field hockey game on Monday, a high school college field hockey championship on Tuesday. I did wrestling last night. And I did, uh, and then I'm doing a volleyball game tomorrow. So with all that, my voice is getting kind of scratchy. I don't know if you can hear it. I mean, I, I do warming up, and I think I've gotten it pretty much back to where it normally is. But this this might be it. Tomorrow might be the last thing I can do. Five events or four and a half events in one week is, is really my limit. So <laughs> word to the wise, know how much you can do and, and agree to before you take on too much and, and knock yourself out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I find, I mean, you're welcome to, like, I'd love to know your process, Paul. But honestly, a lot of our, like, long-form narrator friends, they usually space out their recording. They're not doing more than two to four hours a day, you know, like, and the rest of that time is spent researching and, and other things. So, like, be be kind to your instrument, especially as you're starting. One of our members recently had to cancel on a workout because she blew her throat out. And I was like, been there. Be careful. Have some throat coat. <laughs> um so if you don't have some kind of warm-up process, even if it's like 10 to 15 minutes, I highly recommend finding something. I mean, there's Elaine Clark's like $1 warm-up app. You can type in functional voice exercises on YouTube. But uh, as someone who has uh, strained and injured their voice, <laughs> like being a little too enthusiastic at this, definitely be kind to yourself because you don't want to create any serious problems for yourself later on. Yeah, I actually just talked about this myself on a, a web program called Office Hours. It's a, it's a daily show. You can find it at officehours.global. Uh, and it, it features uh, really different tech topics every day. And a couple of weeks ago, I was on at the request of George Whittem. He was nice enough to invite me on, along with Dan Leonard, Dan Leonard, Dan Leonard, and Jody Krangle and Byron Wagner. So the three, the four of us were talking about different aspects of voiceover. And one thing they mentioned was was vocal health. I was in my booth, just happened to have my straw, and I did the demonstration of all the things I do to warm up. It's not very long. I only do about a two-minute warm-up. And I lately, I usually do it on my way back from dropping off my kids at school, so I'm ready when I get back to be raring to go in the studio. But that is really, I think I've mentioned before in the podcast, it's really saved my career because I had an issue as well a couple of years ago. Thought I had a nodule. I went to the vocal, to the uh, vocal, what's the word I'm looking for? I went to the otolaryngologist. Uh, the ENT. <laughs> yeah, the ENT or otolaryngologist. But I went to a specific one who works with vocal performers, and they helped me get back to, to where I was in good health by doing just warming up and cooling down. So definitely do that if you're not doing that already. And then those are the, the last couple of work things, but I have one more thing to talk about. I've been a member for the last couple of months of the VO Repertory Company. We had the founder, Tara Langella, and Ken Foster on a couple of months ago, maybe even over a year ago now. And they asked me to come on as a full-time member not so long ago. And we just released a series of what we're calling 911 calls for Horror Week. And they're spoofs of what a 911 call would sound like from the scene of popular horror movies. So we've got... Uh, 
Carrie, uh, 911 call from the prom. We've got um, <laughs> we've got the maintenance guy calling from uh, the camp in in Friday the 13th. We've got um, the neighbor calling from the the house next door to where the human centipede doctor is is doing oh, his experiments. God. Uh, <laughs> uh, We've got the. Um, I think that's a very stark drop off. Like, oh, classic horror collection. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the janitor calling in to report on the goings on at the Bates Motel. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and everything's fine until uh, until mother comes to confront him. <laughs> so if you know the movie, that's pretty funny. Oh, poor janitors. And then <laughs> finally today we released Poltergeist, and this is a call with the TV repairman who can't seem to figure out why there's a voice coming out of the TV. So in this one, I play the TV repairman. Um, my daughter, Anna, actually plays Carol Ann. So she's the talking voice in the TV saying, Mommy, I can't find you. And um, <laughs> Ken Foster is uh, the police officer. And Marisha Tapera, who used to do our intro and has been on the show, is the 911 operator. So those are all out right now. And then tomorrow we'll be releasing uh, Seven, which is one I, I wrote completely, which features me, Tara Langella, who's in there as well so they're all fun it's all we release one per week in the week leading up to halloween you can find them all at vorep.net that's v-o-r-e-p.net or they're all over facebook instagram tiktok youtube you name it we'd love to, to get some traction if you guys want to go listen they'll be up past this week as we're recording this halloween is just in three days but you can listen to them whenever. And there's a whole series from last year as well with different movies. So I highly encourage you to check them out. They were a lot of fun to record. That is so cool, man. Proud of you. Thank you. So that wraps up our VO meter reference levels. Next up is our questionable gear purchase. So, Sean, I actually haven't bought anything this week or the last two weeks, shockingly, but I hear you've been busy. Yeah, a little bit. I'm like, at this point, I've forgotten everything I've told you that I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just the highlights. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just quickly go through things. Uh, I, I think of the last time I was talking about this studio space. It's like, it, uh, I'm really excited. It's a whole room that I can dedicate to my recording studio. So in addition to the, uh, and I brought up my old blanket booth, my old vocal booth to go booth. And it's so much more spacious now because like i said i'm no longer using as many internal layers for extra treatment because it's on the walls but anyways so i have several autumn sheets they're like about four by eight or three by seven depending on what they are and i'm suspending them from the walls using these command claws from 3m it's like they're i don't know they're they're picture hanging hooks on steroids basically hmm. they've got like a 25 to 45 pound max capacity or load capacity so they're quite strong and they're just like little drywall hooks that you kind of uh push into the wall with a little uh rubber mallet so that they're pretty easy to put up um, I also picked up some rock wool panels, uh, some DIY panels that a talent named Allison Vox out in Seattle offered for a reasonable price. She also had some really nice, um, very, uh, like I'm usually not one for foam, but this was a very highly rated one and I liked the quality of it, but she was selling some foam panels as well. And so I'm at a bit of a hiatus right now because I needed to get some new fabric to kind of reupholster these like put some nice backing material on the back and uh some new fabric that matches the autumn panels because i don't know aesthetics are important i guess but anyways so i got some um 
I was kind of struggling to find some material until I was like, wait, Guilford of Maine, the people who do ADS acoustic stuff. So I just, uh, and actually it was about as cheap as going to like Joann's or Michael's. So, uh, and it was actually tailor-made for what I'm doing. So I got some lovely Guilford of Maine fabric. I think it's called Wolf is the shade, but it's kind of like a grayish blue or bluish gray color, depending on your color perception but anyways so there's that and then I got my booth set up with my uh with my monitor and my boom arm still kind of figuring out the the blue boom arm with the Sennheiser because it's a very light mic and if I'm not careful it does kind of like to float away like a kite but <laughs> other than that uh, I'm really enjoying having so much more space in my space and Lastly, I kind of replaced my travel microphone. For a long time, I was using the uh, the Apogee Mic Plus, which was like the second or third iteration of the Apogee Mic. They currently have the Hype Mic out, which has some extra layers of com or, um, signal processing, some compression that you can add, but it's like 350, which is a little pricey for a USB mic. But anyways, I was kind of I was never really in love with the sound. It's very finicky as far as like plosives go, and it's kind of difficult to position closely. So personally, I, I prefer shotgun mics for travel mics anyways, just because they're more portable and more durable, and they have that directional uh, pattern. So I sold my Apogee to a friend, and then using that money, I got a Rode VideoMic NTG. So they're, this, this thing's designed for cameras, but it's also a USB-C mic. So a lot of my devices, like my iPad and my MacBook, are USB-C. So I wanted a travel mic that I could just plug directly into them. So really happy about that. It works with all of my shock mounts for my 416. And now I don't have to take my 416 with me everywhere and worry about it. So <laughs> I'm very happy about that because it's about a tenth of the cost. Is this the one that needs a proprietary cable, though, to, to adapt to USB-C, or does it come with a USB-C port? So it, the, um, it needs a proprietary cable to, or to go from USB-C to USB-A. So um, it's, it has a USB-C port, so you can just use any standard compatible cable for that. What is, isn't USB-A the standard port on a computer? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of getting phased out. So, I mean, it's it's the previous gen USB. So it has a little USB-C port on it. Oh, so, so, okay. So I can plug it directly into a, a newer Mac or Windows PC that has a USB-C on both ends. Yes. So okay. so same thing with the, uh, the Vocaster that we got from Focusrite. They actually give you like a USB-C to USB-A cable, right? So you can use it with older devices if you want. But like I said, for my travel setup... I'm pretty much upgraded, like, all of my stuff is no longer USB-A, so I'm kind of transitioning away from that. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, I, the reason I ask is I heard um, Dan Leonard complaining on the, one of the latest VOBSs about this. Not complaining. He, lo he loves the mic, but saying how you really need to have that proprietary cable, I wasn't sure what he meant. So he probably is still using an older computer that has that USB-A port. Yeah, yeah. So from what I've seen, it, it's just the USB-C port on the device. So um, I don't see why a USB-C to USB-C cable wouldn't work. Yeah, well, maybe try it out and report back. Let us know how it works. Yes, yes, indeed. So it does look very promising. I mean, it does have a lot of... It's got like a physical gain knob that you can use when you're using it with a tablet or a uh, 
or a phone, but that changes to the headphone volume when you plug it into USB-C. I was talking about it with Jordan Reynolds the other day because he was using it and, and liked it a lot, but there are certain features about it that aren't really intuitive. So, so luckily I got to benefit from his uh, troubleshooting and I'm really looking forward to trying it out in my space because I'm always trying to like slim down and decrease the weight of my travel bag because I tend to overpack. Speaking of Jordan, speedy recovery to Mara Juno. Uh, she had a recent health scare. I don't want to get into too many details, but Mara, hope you're feeling better. Yeah, both of you guys, lots of love, sending hugs and positive healing vibes to you both. So that pretty much wraps up my questionable gear purchases. I'm also really happy that I got a pair of Presonus uh, Aris 5 XT monitors. The XT version is the one with the extended bass frequency response. So someone like me who never really plans on upgrading beyond these monitors, that's perfect. Because so, that was the only complaint about the previous edition is that it was a little lacking in bass. And just like my voice. But anyways, so very happy. They look beautiful. I've got some nice ISO acoustic desktop monitor stands to help them be... Uh, to help tame the rumble from underneath and just have them on my desk. Uh, so, again, it's like, a, it's like a real studio, guys. I'm so excited. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my... Uh, I was explaining to my nephew the other day. He, he's, he's seven, and he loves the voices. And so I was doing this one, and I was like, Well, well, Constantine, this is called a lateral lisp. It's how you know I'm super intelligent. <laughs> the kid's name is Constantine? Yes, yes. Uh, so my sister-in-law uh, is like second generation Ukrainian. Oh, Ukrainian. So, okay. uh, um, so it's Constantine with a K and a no E at the end. But anyways, um, they wanted to give him a, a princely imperial title. Wow, <laughs> he usually just call him Kostya. <laughs> nice. So that wraps up questionable gear purchases. We'll get to our interview with Michelle Lee right after a word from these sponsors. Hey, Paul, did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. 
All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. VoiceActorWebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Michelle Lee. Michelle Lee is a Korean-American voice actor and narrator. She has provided the English-dubbed voices for characters in such animated shows as Assassination Classroom, Date Alive, Shadow's House, Tokyo Ghoul, among many others. A lifelong love of reading led her to venture into audiobook narration in 2020, and she's been loving it ever since. Born and raised in Maryland, when Michelle isn't in the booth narrating or voicing characters, she likes to spend her time with her family and going out to eat good food. And we've actually talked about Michelle before, this in general terms. Michelle is part of my Maryland meetup group that I started about a year ago, and we get to meet in mm -hmm. person every couple of weeks or sometimes months if we're busy. And uh, I found out that her in-laws actually live pretty close to me, and that's how we met initially, that we we're small tomorrow is what I call it. The city of Baltimore <laughs> has this like great networking-connected group of people, and I call it small tomorrow. Found out that Michelle's in-laws live pretty close to me and that we're basically local neighbors. So we, we got to that meetup group, and it's been fun ever since. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, good. I'm glad to be here. We're happy to have you. I love that. <laughs> Seven degrees of Smaltimore. Yeah. It was anyways. so crazy. It was like, um, <laughs> so Paul and I have been uh, talking on Facebook because we're in a lot of the same narration audiobook groups. And he was, I think, getting giving away some gear or like there was a chair or something. And I was like, oh, I could use that. And we reached out to each other and he's like, yeah, you know, where I'm local and et cetera. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I see you're over in, um, over there. And, and, uh, I was like, my in-laws are in that, that area. And he's like, oh, really? I don't know very many people who live around here. 
And I was like, yeah, I don't think you would know where they are. And then I said the street and he's like, oh, my God, I uh, I live off that street. <laughs> <laughs> it's uncanny sometimes, Paul, like the, the Kevin Bacon-ness lives on. But, <laughs> but that is too cool. Like listeners of the podcast know we're a huge fan of, of finding your tribe and just finding local accountability groups if you can. So you can bounce ideas off of fellow actors and take advantages of resources like you just did. That's awesome. <laughs> so tell us, Michelle, how did you get started in all of this? Um, so my journey into voice acting is actually very um, unconventional. I was working for a company called Funimation in Texas, and I was working in their um, marketing department uh, as a social media manager. And I've always been a really big fan of anime and, you know, watched it growing up. And so I was like, uh, you know, why not? So I just walked over to the production side when they were having open casting calls and I tried out and I got a part. So that's how I got started. <laughs> so we mentioned the anime in the, in the, in the intro and some of the, some of the other roles you've done. Did you find that people in Funimation and then other studios eventually were receptive based on your experience or lack thereof, I guess? And how did that, how did that work out after you started working there and getting roles? So um, Funimation is really good about looking for, like, they have a lot of open casting calls, or they did have a lot of open casting calls back when I was doing it. And um, there are certain directors who like to seek out new talent. And so that was really good for me. <laughs> yeah, and we're, as long as you are good at what you do and you take direction really well, they don't really care. So I do have some acting experience. I, you know, did drama in school and I did a lot of community theater. So I had some basis in acting and um, which helped a lot getting into the whole dubbing anime stuff. Okay. That makes sense. So it's more, we like to say luck is really just where preparation meets opportunity. So you had yes. the you had the experience and, and the preparation and then you just took advantage of the opportunity you had, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of uh, your skill sets, transitioning from kind of disparate genres, I mean, you worked a lot in anime, but have recently transitioned to mostly audiobooks. So in my opinion, those are very different genres and very different styles. I'd love, I'd love to hear in your own words what you think sets anime apart from both like other forms of Western animation and in just other VO genres in general. I'm not sure that, I mean, like other than the style of the art i don't know that there's necessarily that much of a difference between like anime and maybe western cartoons tend to focus a little more on humor so i don't know that's a difficult question to answer because i know a lot of people think that anime is like lots of yelling or action or screaming or like battle cries and stuff like that or doing funny voices or whatnot. And it's really not. The performances are getting more grounded. There's a lot more of a shift to, do, to doing like more realistic performances or more uh, cinematic, I guess, was is the term that they're using now. So more of like a cinematic read as opposed to like super goofy off the wall kind of stuff. Hyper-realistic <clears throat> anime, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So so there is a call for sort of like, excuse me, more authentic performances across the yes. board. 
Yeah. So more authentic performances. Definitely. So let's let's talk about how it's recorded because it is it's essentially dubbing, correct? Yes. So um, the way that you do dubbing is you'll have a director and an engineer. And a lot of the time, especially with um, Crunchyroll is in, has gone back to pre-COVID protocol, which means that you have to go into a studio to record. You're not recording from home anymore, um, which we were doing all during pandemic lockdown. So that was really interesting. But you have a director and you have an engineer and they'll have the video up and then you have your script and then you'll preview the video and you'll hear it in the Japanese first. And then you get three beeps and then you come in and you say your line and then the engineer places it, make sure that it works with the lip flaps. And um, if it works, then great. You move on to the next cue. That's interesting. So I've done a little bit of a TV dubbing and it sounds pretty much exactly the same. I didn't realize that was the same process. So what are mm -hmm. some of the challenges of, of doing it remotely that you talked about? Um, some Oh, God, connection issues are the biggest thing. So not everybody's uh, internet connection is reliable or consistent. And then you get a lot, you get dropouts. And, you know, I'm sure you've come across this in other VO live sessions as well, right, Paul? The connection issues? Yeah. yeah. Well, we had one just now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not a... Uh... <laughs> Not showing so much of how the sausage is made, but yeah, we, we were using a different connection platform. And uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't working. Nobody could hear anybody else, so we had to switch to a different one. Exactly. So like the technical issues are the biggest part um, of re recording remotely. And then, yeah, other than that, making sure that your, uh, your room that you're recording in or your booth that you're recording in is treated correctly and is not too boomy, doesn't sound too echoey. The noise floor is low enough. So, you know, all all stuff that you deal with in other parts of VO as well. So, yeah, but it does seem very, like, technically dependent. And I feel for you. I mean, it's such a timing-centric <laughs> form of production. Like, I mean, with, with the beats and whatnot, it seems very frustrating to try and do that remotely. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been too bad, especially if you have... I think if you were coming into it cold, like, not having done it, prior to recording from home that it would be would would throw you off a lot i think it's not too bad you have a live director you, i mean like other than the time constraint because you're scheduled and you have to try to get all of your parts recorded within the time frame or else they have to reschedule you for another session and especially with with anime that's being released weekly along with the japanese it's like the timing is very essential because you need to have all of it recorded and sent in for mix to to work on post-production, et cetera, so that they can get it turned around and then released on uh, on the day and date that it has to come out. Interesting. So carrying on that theme, Michelle, you talked about how Crunchyroll was all back in person. What challenges does that present? Because you and I have talked about how, for you specifically, that involves going to New York and how that's uh -huh. a bit of a struggle. And I've had that struggle a bit with some jobs as well. Uh, how do you navigate that and, and manage all the other things that are going on in your life? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that Crunchyroll is sort of an anomaly in that they're making everybody go back in studio to record. Because when I go up to record uh, in New York, the studio that I go to in New York, they're like, yeah, you're the only person that we have to come into the studio to record other than kids who don't have home studio setups. Hmm. So I think that 
the move to record remotely is sort of stuck around even after, you know, restrictions have been lifted and people can go back to work and go back in studio and stuff. So, you know, it's it hasn't been a huge challenge, which is really nice. <laughs> um, so you don't have to live in a big market anymore as long as you know like who to contact, how to, uh, like, that's the big thing, right? Who to contact, how to right. audition, how to get parts, how to get jobs, how to book work. So um, those are the the major struggles, but that can also be done remotely. Brilliant. Well, that's encouraging. All <laughs> right. So we are talking about, um, about anime and some of the other work that you do where you might have to go into another studio or be part of a major market. But now, since 2020, you've been focusing on audiobooks. So tell us how, how that started and, and what was the biggest challenge pursuing that genre? Oh, gosh. So audiobooks are a totally different animal. With anime and other types of voiceover, you are sort of speaking at normal level, right? Or, or you're screaming or you have to shout or like the volume is different. The performance is different. It's not as close. Like audiobook narration is such a close medium. You're talking in somebody's ear, basically. You think about you're talking in somebody's ear for hours, like eight, 10, 12, however many hours. So if you have somebody screaming in your ear at like full volume, it's not going to be pleasant to listen to for an extended period of time. So you have to pull back your performance and you have to um, make it more intimate. So that's been the major difference between the two in terms of style. And then also with audiobooks, if you're the sole narrator and you're not in like a multicast performance or something, you have to play every single part as opposed to like, when you work in other parts of VO, like with animation, you're cast for a specific role and you have other people who are voicing the other parts. So you'll go in for maybe like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever to how to say like four or five lines in an episode and then you're done as opposed to like with an audiobook where you're <laughs> where like I don't know how long it takes you, Paul, but it takes me a really long time. So I would say like three hours to per finished hour or something. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually, and, and well within the average. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably a little bit faster than that now, but uh, not much. It's still two, over two to one ratio. Yeah. So, I mean, like for an eight hour audiobook, you're looking at like... I'm not good at math. How long is that? Well, three to one, <laughs> 24. 30 hours. <laughs> 30 something hours. Um, I, would tell, I was told there would be no math in VO. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're all right for brain people here. Somebody help. Yeah. But. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, the time that goes into it, it's been such a huge difference. But I love audiobooks. I love getting uh, to play every single character and then just tell the story like I would never be cast as a butch guy you know or like that military dude bro kind of thing and it's really fun to play <laughs> well it's really funny because like I mean when even as, as little as a decade ago and I still hear people saying this now but it's like one of the great joys of voice acting is being it that that liberation right being able to play a variety of characters and now as we have this sort of call for authenticity and representation mm -hmm. we're seeing that less and less but it's which is a good thing as well but uh -huh. we also I mean it's it's funny to kind of find this new opportunity where you can still do that 
Yeah. I mean, like even back then, like being able to voice other characters, like there's no way that if you're in a show that someone's going to cast you as the the military the background characters. Yeah, like the military um dude bro guy if I sound like this, right? They're going to <laughs> they're going to hire somebody who naturally sounds like that mm-hmm. for for that part. So yeah, I mean like with the audiobooks, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit and know that oh yeah, there's this it's one person who has to do all of these voices. So you're a little bit more forgiving. Mhm. So what is your biggest challenge now pursuing audiobook work? Oh, God, is there, do I only have to pick one? No, um, absolutely Challenges, not. it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, and, and Paul also knows this too, right? It's time. Like, I have a small child and balancing work life is really difficult. And working, especially around a little kid's schedule with school and then after school activities and then like weekend activities. Play so finding time. Snacks. Yeah, exactly. Play dates and stuff like that. Making sure that they're not sitting in front of the TV 24 seven and just vegging out and like trying to actively engage your children. So they're not couch potatoes mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is, uh, is challenging. So um yeah, finding time to do stuff. And then, of course, with them back in school, in person, and cold and flu season is like peak right now, right? So everyone's bringing home all sorts of germs, and then you're sick every other week, which affects your voice, and then you're like, got deadlines. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a struggle. My biggest challenge early on, because my kids are a little bit older now, my biggest challenge was this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, can I have some goldfish? <laughs> Didn't you uh-huh. just have lunch? Yeah, but that was lunch. I want a snack. Fine, just go eat the goldfish. Yeah, that was constant every every five minutes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then like, you know, running around and like, be quiet. I'm trying to record. But no, you just hear thump, 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 thump. <laughs> yeah, you have to train them on what true silence is. <laughs> yeah, and what yes. a true emergency is, yeah. <laughs> What about tech challenges, Michelle? You and I talked early on because of, like you, like you mentioned, the equipment I was getting rid of. And I did actually give you a bunch of my old producer's choice blankets. So what were some of your tech challenges as you moved first back to, to Maryland and then set up your new studio? Oh, gosh. Okay. So during lockdown, when everyone had to record from home and everyone's scrambling to make recording spaces at home because we were... You know, we were all going into studio, especially with Funimation and other places. They we're all going into studio to record. So trying to figure out how to properly acoustically treat your space was a challenge. And then in addition to that, like what microphone sounds great with your voice or and then like all the little things that you don't have to worry about when you have a director and an engineer and all you're doing is giving your performance learning the software the you know your DAW and then engineering stuff and then um all of the other things that you hear after you start getting familiar with those things like mouth noise and like all of the extra noise, like your room tone and et cetera, that has been hugely challenging <laughs> to learn. Well, you're certainly certainly not alone. That's a, a, a struggle for many voice actors. And like you said, during the pandemic, people scramble to try and learn that stuff quickly. Thankfully, mm-hmm. there are a lot of resources out there and it can be done. And, and 
from what I can tell, you've done a great job setting up your studio. Thank you. So, are there any genres that you, or now that we've talked about uh, tackling all these hurdles and challenges, are there any genres that you haven't done that you'd like to try? I, do you mean in terms of like VO, other parts of VO, or like genres in audiobooks? Oh, um, either one. That's actually, well, first one and then the other. <laughs> um, I would like to do more video game voiceover. That would be really interesting and fun. I mean, like the dream is always to do something for Disney, right? To be in a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that would be amazing. And um, in terms of audiobook genres, I get cast. Um, I, can you guess what I normally get cast for for audiobooks? Uh, YA, dystopian protagonist? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yeah, I get a lot of YA, which is great. It's my favorite genre. I love reading YA, and I get a lot of romance, which I love reading as well. So, it's been fun. I don't know that I would want to necessarily seek out other genres, but I'm currently finishing up a psychological thriller horror book that I never would have thought to cast me in, but it's been really fun. It's um it's been very different how I have had to approach the text and um and like the different style of reading and et cetera. So it's been really interesting. Awesome. Best of luck to, to you and both of those. Now that you've mentioned on this hugely popular podcast, I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we asked this question of, of all of our guests, but I'm always fascinated to hear their answers. Where do you see the future of VL? You can take this any direction you like, but I'm normally thinking about how the penetration of AI has affected things, representation and, and things like that are, are obviously a concern. So in general, where do you see the future of voiceover? So I do think that AI is inevitable, right? Um, but I think that AI, you'll see it more in things that don't require a lot of acting. So maybe like telephony or something like that, or I don't know, like for textbooks. Although there are people who will argue that textbooks do, if you don't want the listener to be bored out of their mind, it should have some performance to it, right? Yeah, I would <clears> think so. Yeah. So, you know, I think that in those areas, you'll see more AI, but I think anything that requires any modicum of acting, I don't think AI will penetrate that market. So hopefully, <laughs> right? right? I mean, I can't imagine the technical aspect of having to tweak. I mean, you did a little bit of um, playing around with the AI stuff, right, Paul? Yeah. And, yeah. and right now it does seem not worth the time to to tweak the voice. It takes much more time to adjust the, the sliders and parameters than it does to just re-record the darn thing. Even exactly. If, even if it's a whole right? page long. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, for stuff like anime where it's so emotive and there's yelling and volume changes and, like, all sorts of different nuances in performance, and then same for audiobooks, right? The nuances in performance, like, for you to tweak that, especially for, like, an eight-hour thing, that would be way too time-consuming. Yeah, so it'll be like the Matrix, where we'll just have to evolve to be better than the machines. Exactly. <laughs> I can narrate Kung Fu. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, we know it's kind of a big, like, nobody can really predict it, but it's interesting to kind of pay attention to the trends and make some guesses. So 
we've been talking a lot about challenges and kind of pushing through those and adapting to changing um, to changing fields. But what would you recommend to a new voice actor getting started? Definitely get some sort of acting training. I know that, like, coaching has been a very hot topic recently, right? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> Especially in the audiobook world. Especially in the audiobook world. But not everybody can afford coaching. You know, it's hard. People who are like, oh, go get coaching, go get coaching. Yeah, it's such, it's so worth the investment. It's so, it, it, it definitely is worth the investment. But that's also speaking from a, a place of privilege. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if you're going to drop $150 on average for a single one-hour coaching session, which, I mean, how much it could improve you a little bit, but you would probably need, especially starting out, a lot of coaching in the beginning to improve significantly. That's just not monetarily possible for somebody who doesn't have the means to be able to do that. So doing things like getting involved in your community theater, um, taking classes at school, like doing stuff to educate yourself and get acting experience, hands-on acting experience, I think is the most valuable thing that you can do as an actor, voice actor in general. And then on top of that, learning like the new thing, I guess, the the thing that I've come away with having to do this myself and setting everything up at home to record is being familiar with the technical aspect as well. So getting familiar with your DAW, your recording software, learning the engineering behind it, especially learning the engineering, which is stuff that you can pick up online and through YouTube videos and stuff like that to educate yourself on how to use this kind of equipment. Being able to do that and make your auditions stand out, sound better than if you recorded it in a bathroom on your phone kind of thing, <laughs> right? Because a casting director, you could be amazing. You could be like the next big thing. But if you sound like crap, like you're recording on your phone in your bathroom, that's they're immediately going to be like, nope, not going to cast you. Yeah, I've Excellent. done some casting <clears throat> and for audiobooks specifically. And I can't get past a bad recording. And I'm, exactly. not sure, I'm not sure that I should be. <laughs> but if, if I hear somebody in a bathroom or a kitchen, it's immediate no within 10 seconds or less. Exactly. Right. I mean, you just mm -hmm. nobody has time. You've got like million, not millions. You've got like hundreds, hundreds of yeah. auditions to go through. And immediately you hear it and you're like, oh, I can't get past the sound quality. That's going to be a big no. Mm hmm. That's brilliant, brilliant advice, Michelle. And I love just this, the encouraging that the agency and the resourcefulness, because a lot of people think this, that acting is, is the job, but it's this triangle of performance, audio and marketing that you need to be proficient in all three. So true. Well, Michelle, it's been a pleasure having you. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. But before we go, how can folks hire or work with you if, uh, um, if they want to have you for their production? I have a website that you can go to. It's michellelevo.com. So my contact information is on there if you want to reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure. All right. Thanks, guys.
Walgreens, because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. All right, and we are back. Thank you so much, Michelle. I mean, I know a lot of our listeners are interested in pursuing both anime and audiobooks, and it was so great having such a unique perspective and in such good advice about training and familiarizing yourself with that triangle we spoke of with the, the performance, the audio, and the marketing. And I'm so grateful to have such a great talent as Michelle right in my backyard. You know, Maryland, I think, is the second or third smallest state in the Union, and I keep finding all these gems of huge talents right in my backyard, and it's it's really incredible. I know, it, and and we are a huge fan of utilizing local talent as, or local resources, right? And it's it's kind of funny because, as we talked about in the interview, you kind of see this migration of, of sort of established talent to, like, be close or I don't know I've, I've seen this with my friend Christina Malizia but like moving mm-hmm. eastward like to be closer to family or or just to have uh like or to be where they grew up you know so like the the landscape is changing and while you might need to spend some time in a major market to establish yourself that might not be the case for very long yeah and the only unfortunate thing for my ego is that uh at one point I thought I'd maybe be the coolest voice actor in Baltimore but quickly that's <laughs> I mean, it never it hasn't happened yet, and it looks like it's all, the, the prospects are only getting worse because all, all these fantastic talent are all around me I didn't even know about until recently. But I'm grateful that they're almost all friends and colleagues, so there's that. Quit diluting the talent pool, you artistic genius. <laughs> but it's all right, Paul. You're still cool. You're still cool. Thank you. At least somebody <laughs> thinks so. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. Coming up, we will be having an interview with Landon Beach, who's written a really cool book that has now become an audiobook called Narrator, and it's narrated by none other than Scott Brick. We're going to have an interview with both Landon and Scott, and it's a really cool concept. I don't want to give away too many secrets, but I will tell you that it's about an audiobook narrator. So it's very meta in that Scott is a Hall of Fame narrator, and he's playing a character who is an audiobook Hall of Fame narrator. And uh, lots of shenanigans happen. It's actually a thriller, so I can't give away too much. But if you're listening and you're a voiceover actor, you will appreciate it because they drop a lot of industry terms and people's names. At one point, Scott actually narrates his own name because he's talking about walking by Scott Brick during the Audis. So that's pretty cool. And there's a lot of little nice, nice Easter eggs like that for people who are in the industry. So definitely check it out. The book is out now. Again, it's called Narrator by Landon Beach. And look forward to that interview. Awesome. I'm super excited. I can't wait to hear more about our friends and sort of the behind the scenes Easter eggs that we all get to enjoy. Super stoked about that. I just got my credit for the audiobook and I'll be listening to that before the interview. But until then, 
Thank you guys for listening. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter.